Lord, to share the word with us. We pray, Lord, you'll anoint him. And Lord, help him, God, to teach the lesson that's before him. And Lord, we pray, God, that we not only be hearers of the word, but Lord, we be doers as well. Bless each and every one here this morning around this table. And Lord, happy way. And Lord, may your word speak to us today. Open up our minds. God, help us, Lord, to receive what you have for us today. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, I appreciate every single one of you. I don't know about Brother Allen. He must not be coming today. But uh, let's remember uh, the service tomorrow at this church and Brother Tony's church and all the other churches across the country. Pray for the men of God as they stand in the gap, make up the hedge, or at least try to make up the hedge. That's about all we're doing these days. And do the best we can for it. Now, in uh, looking at these things today, I want to say this very seriously. We are in the Bible calls the last days. Last days. Now, it was the people like Paul, Peter, John, those men preached the latter times and the latter days, in the last days, did they not? Right. Paul talked about a falling away. I don't believe we're going to have a falling away. I believe we've got that. I believe we're in the middle of it or in the midst of it somewhere. I don't know where we're at the last part of the falling away or not. But that's just before the revealing of, of, and of course the church is going to be called out, but before the Antichrist and so forth and uh, we're going to look at some things today that's so confusing. Now, when I'm studying all this stuff, I'm settled, and I'm sure Brother Tony is, and some of you are too. I'm settled on, on the coming of the Lord. I got that settled years ago. Nobody shakes my belief on what I think and believe about the second coming of the Lord because I've got that ironclad out of the Bible. I don't have nothing else to go by. That's right. I don't need nothing else to go by. But we're living in a time when so many people are listening to so many things and so many preachers that's got so many ideas. Some of them are not even church-affiliated. They're just on Facebook and all them things, and they're giving everybody their opinion. Now, if you just start talking about opinions of the Bible, you've got all kinds of opinions. It used not to have. When I first started off this thing, it's always the second coming of the Lord. It's always been a confusion or confused idea. I've dealt with that for ages. I was in the one church in uh, New Hope. You all know New Hope Baptist Church down here on Pea Ridge? Yeah. Well, down there, they had, we had 17 preachers in the church. Had about that many ideas about the coming of the Lord, too, but uh, our pastor was a premillennial preacher, and I, I was that before I even went to that church. But he preached one day about the millennium and is going to plant, harvest, and they weren't going to fight. They're going to, uh, you know, take put their weapons into into agriculture, and he is talking about all that. And there's one man in the church met me the next day. I meet him at the grocery store. And he said, how dare that man last night preach that trash? I said, what are you talking about? He said, he is talking about that he's going to plant crops. I said, 
They are. I yep. said the earth's going to bring forth. That's right. There will be a thousand years of no war whatsoever. Yep. Perfect peace. He said, where do you get that? I said, Adam, the same Bible you read. And he fell away from me and uh, he never had nothing to do with me no more. But I'm trying to tell you, we still got people today that's even worse than that. And I'm sure Brother Tony sees it all the time. And uh, pastoring churches, I've been pastoring for a long, long time. And I really don't know what most of the time what the pre- people that I'm preaching to believe. So I don't know what all you in here believe about the coming of the Lord. I don't. I, I know what I preach, and I'm expecting you to believe that. And I figure since you hang around and get tortured with something you don't believe, you must be as, you know, what you're here for. I'm, I'm not going to sit under preachers preaching what I believe is opposite my Bible. Understand? I'm not trying to pull one. Or, and, and the thing about it is, what I started off with day one, I preach the same thing today. I just preach it a little stronger because I've learned a lot more about it. And I have no idea of switching. So the reason I'm mentioning that today is we've got a lot of falling away. And the Bible said that there would come a time, and I preached this for 50 years, and and uh, I thought it was there then, but it said there would come a time that they would not endure sound doctrine. And so the one thing I looked at that is, I want to make sure that what I believe is sound doctrine. It's not doctrine that uh, somebody thought up. The Bible itself is not privately interpreted. The Bible says it's of no private interpretation. Nobody in this building, nobody in this room, nobody at this table has the right to predict or plan or preach anything but what's in this book. Nobody. And if we do, we're in trouble. So we got, the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians, I'm just giving some preliminaries. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10, you don't have to turn there, but you jot it down. We are to have the same mind and the same judgment. And if we've got the same God, we've got the same Christ, we've got the same teacher, got the same spirit, we're going to... have the same judgment and the same mind. Yeah. And one over here is saying in our modern day that the Spirit of God told me this. Mm-hmm. And then there's one over here on the other side that said the Spirit of God told me this. And both of them are opposite. Both of them can't be right. Both of them may be wrong, but at least one is all can be right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so we were seeing our churches that way. People sit on the church pew and the church bench and they do not try to figure out what is right. Is that preacher saying it right? See, I want, that's the reason I try to make you go to the scriptures with me when I'm turning. I don't want you to take my word. I'm satisfied with what I believe. It's, 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 done, me, it's done me good. It's helped me. It's strengthened me. It's encouraged me. And I've raised my family with it. I so much enough, I believe what I preached. I've raised my kids that way. Now, they ain't all listen to it. Amen. But I've raised my kids under what I've preached. 
And I took a shot at it when I was young that I'm going to take what the Bible says and follow that because God done worked in my side of my heart. And I'm going to give it a shot. I'm not going with the world. I'm going with the Word. Amen. And I'll tell you right now, I'll say it's it works. It works. It works. It's the best... It's the best schooling I've ever found in my life is the Bible. It's helped me. It's helped my family. helped my church. It's helped people that I wanted to help when they wanted to be helped. You understand what I'm saying? I've never seen a time like we are right now. We're, we're at a time now that people don't want the preacher to preach anything. They, they want Jesus loves me. Jesus will save but they don't want no repentance and they don't want to have no accountability to God. Right. We want to go where we want to go, do what we want to do, live like we want to live, talk like we want to talk, walk like we want to walk, and we don't care what anybody else thinks about it. And if a preacher preaches it, smack his hand. That's not right. We're living there. And I'm mentioning that today to just to say this, and they'll say something about, well, we need sound doctrine. Well, my doctrine is sound. Everybody's got their own doctrine. It's not my doctrine. My doctrine stinks. Your doctrine stinks. But it's the doctrine of this book. Men like D.L. Moody and Spurgeon and uh, all those men like that of days gone by, they had strong doctrines, Bible doctrines. Amen. Amen, Tony. Amen. Praise God. Quit eating and go. Okay. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. That's all right. Go ahead. All right. I'm telling you, we, uh, we're living in a bad hour. And I'm troubled with it. And you talk about the Bible. And when you do, and they, they'll say, oh, here's mine, or they've got their Bible on their phones. I, I meet people about every day that gets these little uh, devotionals. And when they read, hit, one will say to me, I see it with these men I work with over here at McDonald's, they get their little devotionals, and they read that, and they say, oh, and they read the Scripture, and I know the Scripture, and I'm reading it, quoting it just like it is. And their words are different than mine. And so then they go another, and they've got another. We've got so many people that's got all these things that they don't even know what is the real Word of God. And if you say something to them and say, look, this is not right, well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. And I, I don't argue with them because they're already going to be right. Because they right. what the Bible said, there was a time when people did that which is right in their own eyes. We're there today in America. I mean, everybody knows what's right. And that's what's happened. And I'll tell you right now, our churches have lost respect for the man of God. They've lost respect for the Word of God. They've lost respect for the church itself. And that's why that they just do what they want to do. And I want to tell you, God is fixed this way, and I don't care what nobody says. I know enough about the Bible to know this. I don't know a whole lot, but I know enough about the Bible to know that God is final authority is this book right here. There's nothing else. The government don't have anything better than what I've got in my hand right here. 
The world has nothing better than a man. And nobody, and you don't have anything any better than what this book is. If it's the right book. Right? Amen. We've got one shot in this life. And I'll give all my shot that I don't have to the Bible. And I'll trust it. And if you don't like it, well, you say, well, that's a divine book. And I say, well, I don't know. It's a good book. Yeah, it's a good book. It ain't just a good book. It's a divine Amen. book. Amen. Now, you said, oh, I don't like your preliminaries. Well, you might not, but this is where we are. Amen, brother. <laughs> and I refuse to change my mind. I refuse to back up. I refuse to preach anything else but what I've been preaching. And if that higher lips my sons, tough. Amen. Amen. Serious. I don't live my life for them. Amen. Now, I want to go to uh, two portions of Scripture. And we're coming up with some things. We're going to look at some stuff here that I pray that God might help us with. In Isaiah chapter 28, one of these I looked at Wednesday night. I don't know where is this one or not, but uh, or is it Isaiah 14? I may be wrong on it. I believe it's Isaiah 14, maybe. And uh, I got it wrote down 28, but it don't sound right. I'll find it here in a minute. Yeah, it's Isaiah 14. Here's the master enemy. Here's who's in charge today. We're going to talk about the one that's controlling it all. Somebody said God's in charge. God's in charge to a portion. The sun won't argue with him. The moon won't argue with him. The stars won't fall till he tells them to fall. Human, uh, human beings don't pay much attention to him. The animals do what he tells them to do. Right? Right. And the elements do, except what man has messed with. So, looking at this this morning, I want to tell you that the master person that's in charge today is Satan of this world because he's the God of this age. Right the God of this world and our eyes and minds have been blinded by the prince and the power of the air. We was on that a little bit last month when we was talking about uh, the first, second, and third heaven. And uh, we may be back on that today. I'm not sure. I'm not, no, I don't really know where I'm going. I just know what God's putting in front of me all the time on this. And that's how the Lord wanted me to bring this lesson today. Because he's in charge of the universe to the sense, well, I'm saying the universe, I'm talking about of the world, since you look at Ephesians 6, 12, go there. Hold your place right here in Isaiah 14. We're coming back to that. And I'm going to show you, and this is what's scary. It really is. 
So we're going to Ephesians. I've read this. I think I've read it last time. I've read it several times in the church. In Ephesians 6 and verse number 12, he's commanding, Paul is, for us to put on the whole armor of God, not part of it. Notice there's no armor on the backside because God don't expect you to run. We face the devil. We fight the devil. But we can't fight him with carnal weapons of warfare. All he wants you to do is put on the whole armor of God so when the devil begins to fire his wicked darts, they're not going to penetrate that armor. Right? Right. Amen. Somebody says, I'll just fight the devil. Yeah, and you'll lose. I've lost too many times with him. But if you put on that whole armor of God, I'll tell you right now, God will protect you. He says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, For we wrestle. For we wrestle. Who? Who's the we? The saints of God. Wrestle not against flesh and blood. What's that? We're not fighting each other. The bad thing is we <laughs> fight each other. Yeah. yeah. You see, we get the wrong idea of our battle. We're not to fight one another. Mm. You're not to have anything against me. I'm not to have anything against you. We're all in the same battle, and we've got the same captain who's the Lord Jesus, and we've got the same armor, which is the armor of God, and we're not in here to fight and argue and fuss about what I believe and what you believe, and when you do that, you're trading devils. That's all you're doing. I've traded a lot of them. There ain't one of us in here, but what the devil don't... Get to skinning your hide good, you'll start skinning his back. Right? That's right. And the way we do that is fighting one another. And that's, the devil just stands over to the side and said, uh, All right, look here, I'm enjoying. He loves for us to fight. Sure. He loves us to be on the wrong side of the team. Then it said, but against, he were not fighting against flesh and blood, but against, look at these things, four things, but against principalities. So there's a principality. What are those principalities? Uh, we're going to talk about some of that. Against powers. What kind of powers? Most of us think that there's one power, God Almighty. But that's not so. And the powers we're fighting today and are over us, they're not greater than God. But they sure put us on the trail. You understand what I'm saying? Against the rulers of darkness, that's the third one, of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Four enemies that we don't know nothing much about. I mean, I'll give you the floor if you want it right now to tell me what them four are. You have to find out from the Word of God, brother. I'll tell you, it's something. Some of that you don't know because you can't see it. It ain't happened. I read so much in, in the Bible to find out some of this is going to be released. Spiritual wickedness in high places. What is that? We started a little bit on it in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation last month, and we will have to pick back up on it soon.
But what I'm trying to get at this morning is that's what we're fighting. Now, who who operates these four things? Satan. Satan. These fights that we're fighting, if we're having on the whole armor of God and we're to be there to fight those things, lets me know that there is a greater enemy than we are even looking at. That we're not paying no attention. You see, the devil has camouflaged himself in our modern time. He's done it all through the ages. And sometimes we recognize the devil as our friend. Oh yeah. You ever thought about that? Yeah. Huh? All the, yeah, every day. Yeah. Almost. I can't I can't tell that's the devil. Now he don't like to be exposed what I'm doing now. I'm on dangerous ground, I know it. I mean you gotta if you don't see it, it's gonna be hard not you know, Yeah, and if you're not versed in the script if you ain't versed in the scriptures enough to pick out the difference, you're gonna get hung. Yeah. That's right. He backs me up against the wall all the time. And so I, the more, the deeper I get in the Word of God, brother, I'll tell you, I can feel the presence of, of Satan more and more. Where he used to be all the time, I didn't even recognize him there. Now I see he's always been there. Bothers me. Now to go back to Isaiah, I don't like this little idea about what people think about the devil. We're coming in a time now that the devil is portrayed more than he's ever been portrayed in our modern time. Through the occult, they've done it to us real simple and easy. Uh, I, I love Jeannie. I dream of Jeannie. I dream of Jeannie. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, they don't know. what is it? Uh, huh? Bewitched. That's the one I was trying to think of. What about bewitched? Yeah. Are you, you see, all listen, that's been filtrated in our lives and in our children's lives. And they say, matter of fact, we growed up, we growed up in that. We growed up in it. Never thought, yeah. Now they got things, well, what, what did you say? That? Lucifer. Well, yeah, See that? And, yeah, I mean, you're seeing all this, but we're more and more. That's what's happened with this thing like Ash, Ash, Asbury mm-hmm. Revival. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's, um, the majority of it is demonic. Yeah, that's right. The Revival? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, you have it. I don't know where you watched any of that I or not. I watched it. I followed it. Yeah. <coughs> Didn't have spreading, it. too, across the country. So. Well, that's right, because that is what's happening. But no preaching. Oh. Very little preaching. Revivals never broke out without preaching. That's right. Secondly, I've never had a, ever seen a revival, a real revival that went worldwide or nationwide or town or countywide uh, without it starting in a church somewhere. It was in a college. And, and I looked at this thing all the way through. And the music uh, they're using. The music. Worldly Seven Eleven songs. I mean, they had, they had a few good songs. I I heard some good songs in it, and uh, the devil threw a few of them in. I guarantee. But I'm I, I wasn't for that. Still not for that. If I can just start singing a song and and singing it over and over and over, what I call Seven Eleven, seven words, eleven times. 
That's enchantment. You know where I find that in the Bible? I'm going to go to Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter 7, verse 11. <laughs> huh? That's why I call it that. The Bible said in Exodus 7, 11, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Isn't that amazing? Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. And that's what that is. We're not relying today on the true Holy Ghost of God. There's a false spirit in our country. Amen. Well, how the devil deceive Eve? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's him. Switch that word around. That's what he done. I, I, I've always said that revival won't start. It's going to have to start through revival, through preachers preaching. Yeah. And then it's supposed to go out. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you don't hear the word of God, you're not going to realize you're lost. And you're not going to look for help. There's also no repentance in that revival. There yeah. Well, that's because that's they ain't got no preacher. Nobody talking about it. They preached a little bit. What they call preaching. What I heard them call preaching uh, wasn't much. I heard this opening statement. Well, I didn't come talk about this because I've done get on that. But now let me tell you where I want to, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 14. I want to go back there. And we're going to talk about this fellow that's causing so much trouble. Let's look at him. And we're going to chapter 14 of Isaiah in verse number 12. I looked at a little bit of this on Wednesday night, but we, I believe we was in Ezekiel. And we'll be there in a minute. And let's just look at this. Not too many people in our country, I believe, look at these scriptures I'm giving you here. We do know that Lucifer, according to the word of God, was at one time an archangel in heaven. And he, and I'll, tell you, I'll show you in a little bit why he failed. But at verse 12 it said, How art thou fallen from heaven? Right there it tells us he fell from heaven. He fell from heaven. Which heaven? Third, third heaven. That's right, third heaven. Third heaven. <laughs> I don't believe, I'm going to tell you somebody said, he goes in and makes accuses of brethren, and that means he goes to heaven and accuses the brethren. This verse right here is all I need to tell me that's not so. How art thou fallen from heaven? And this heaven here is where God dwells. Amen. And if the saints of God, and I do believe when you die, your soul goes to be with the Lord, your body goes to the grave. Mm -hmm. And at a point in time, God will bring that body back, I mean that soul back, it will unite that body, and that body will rise from the dead right there. Join together, get a new body. Anybody ever, are we all right right there? We believe that, don't we? Amen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I believe if, if Satan is still doing his work, I don't believe God would be comfortable with him in the presence of Christ at the right hand of the Father and the saints of God around the throne. I don't. So I believe he's put a barrier between them. I believe he meets the Lord 
in the second heaven. And in the second heaven, there are some angels that has not been kicked out yet. Some of them have been kicked to the earth. They left their habitation and uh, they quit following. You know, they're just beings, angels. There's two kinds. You've got those who follow God and those who, I guess, just... well, Their angels are ministering spirits. But you've got those who have refused God. They've been cast out. And I'm getting this from Revelation 12. That's why I'm trying to do is work back up to that where you can see where we are and come out of that. This thing is, is too deep for us if we don't put some groundwork under it. Verse 12 said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Who in the world is called Lucifer? Nobody has no problem calling that Satan, do you? Lucifer. He called him the son of the morning. He had a high position. He was the son of the morning. He had he had a, a covering. He was he said, How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Nations, he ruined the nations, put us under a load of sin. And so what happened, uh, he's been cut down to the ground. So when he is cast out, God didn't cast him out of uh, like he did the angels. He cast him out to the ground, threw him out of heaven to the earth. And then we think sometimes that he's just kind of walking around on the earth. And uh, since he's walking around on the earth, he's got right to go back into the third heaven. He don't. He can go back to the second heaven, though. He's in the first heaven above us. And he's on the earth. You said, how do you know that? Job, when he come before God, not Job, but when the Satan come before Job and the sons of, man, the sons of God with him to accuse, the Lord says, where have you been? He said, uh, for walking down in the earth, up and down in it, and uh, to and fro. To and fro. Mm-hmm. Understand? Mm-hmm. I'm using a lot of stuff, and instead of turning there, I'm just using You go look at it if you want to. I'm giving you these. Uh, you find that in the first chapter and second chapter of Job. So you look at that, and you'll see how it is. Then it says in verse 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, the devil, and now you got the I wills of Satan. I've got them marked in my Bible. He said, number one right there, I will ascend into heaven. You see that? And I've got it. I will. I'll just underline that I will. I got mine circle. Then the second one, he says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Now, where'd he go? Above the stars of God is the third heaven. This is in the beginning with Satan. After the stars, there's no other place but God. Then he says, the third thing, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. It's in heaven. And he says, in the sides of the north, that's 
that one. Then he says in verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud clouds. I will be like the most high. So that's how many I wills. One, two, three, four, five, right? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. If you look at that up there, he's going to go to the sides of the north in verse 13, but he's going to end up in the wind-up to the sides of the pit at hell. See that? He had something on his mind, but he's not going to go where he thinks he was going to go. And he did go to the sides of the north. Amen. That's in the very presence of God. I just wanted to show you that the Satan has come from heaven. Yep. Yeah. The throne of God. He's been there. Matter of fact, I'll show you a little bit more what kind of position he held. This devil is he's he's stupid now, but he wasn't at one time. He failed. Uh, just hold your thoughts and got any questions and answer, we can ask them in a minute when I get, because I might load you up with another or two. Verse 16, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness, and that's what he's done, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. Yep, that's him. Any questions on that part? I'm giving you an opportunity. We well with it? All right, now let's turn to Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, we'll turn to chapter 28. I wrote these both down over here, Isaiah 28 and Ezekiel 28. If I'd have looked at that close, I'd have known good and well it wasn't. Ezekiel 28, the 28th chapter of Ezekiel. I want to read verse number 2 first before we go over and further into it. Son of man, that's what God always called Ezekiel. Son of man is what we call Christ. But that's the Son of Man is just a title given to Ezekiel. Son of Man, say unto the prince of Tyrus. He's going to talk about Tyrus, King Tyrus. But what I'm going to give you the description of, you're going to say, well, it's talking about Tyrus, but I'm going to show you it can't be Tyrus. So let's go to verse number 12. He says in verse number 12. Son of man, or he is calling him again, take up a lamentation. A lamentation is a weeping uh, a remorse. You know, uh, that's where we ought, we ought to have a lamentation right now in America mm-hmm. and our families and lost people. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, now, we're going to look at some things. He said, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now, this throws me that he's not talking about Tyrus, and he's going to prove it to him in just a minute. 
And uh, he said, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom. Number two, perfect in beauty. Actually, he's talking about Satan. I'll show you that in just a moment. Two things that Satan had for him, and I believe this won uh, Eve over, and it won the angels over. Now, the serpent I ain't uh, locked in on as being beauty, but but let's look at this, and we'll see here that... uh, he had wisdom, and he's perfect in beauty. But here he's talking about Cyrus. But look at verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, you'll not find where Tyrus has ever been no. No. in the garden of Eden. So it can't be talking about Tyrus. Mm-mm. So thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, Every precious stone was the cov- was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast, what is that? Created. He's a created being. He's not all, uh, you know, he, 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 he's not all powerful. He's got power, but he's not all powerful. Amen. Yeah. There's somebody mightier than him. Thank God. Amen. It's not me. It's not you. It's not the church. It's the Lord. And so you see what's happened in verse number 14. They are the anointed cherub. I think I pointed this out Wednesday night. Thou art, what's that little word right there? Three-letter word. The. The. Thou art the anointed cherub. He didn't say you are a cherub or anointed cherub. Amen. In other words, he's put him into place. Satan was lifted to the highest position as the cherubs. Now, in the Bible... And I don't want to get into this today in this study, but this will make a good study. I've done it here. The cherub, you've got the cherub, that's one. The cherubims are more, or the cherubs. But we'll see this is the cherub and the cherubims. Now, in the Bible, you have that. You remember the cherubs, and I mentioned this Wednesday. They are where? Where did, where did God first use the cherubims at? The Garden of Eden. When he cast Adam and Eve out, they stood there with a flaming sword. And the cherubims are the guardians of God's work. Always. When you look in the second, uh, see, third or fourth chapter of Revelation, he talks about the seraphims. You got the cherubims and you got the seraphims. Many preachers will preach to you that those are two are separate, that they are the same, but they're not. Isaiah six talks about the cherubims, and one of them's got three wings and one two, I believe. I'll have to look at that up and refresh my brain. I forget some of this stuff, 
but they're, they're different. And the seraphims was shown in the sixth chapter of Isaiah crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And they're in the business of praising. You see, seraphims don't protect, cherubims do. What did God put over the Ark of the Covenant? Two cherubims facing each other. They're protecting the mercy seat. Amen. That's the cherubims. Wasn't the seraphims to praise God with. So you'll see that. But he, the devil, was the anointed cherubim. He was the anointed one. In other words, he had, you know what that is? He was... He was the highest. He was over them. That's why he had so much influence on them. And he said, And I have set thee so. God put him there. God put him as the anointed cherub. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Notice that. He's upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He'd been there. There's nowhere one has not been. Look at verse 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou were, was created. See, he was a created being. In thee, until, let me go back and read that all. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. God didn't put sin in him. He chose to rise against God. Amen. Now, he, he, he didn't get uh, tempted by an outside force. He was tempted by an inside force. And it tells us here what they are. Uh, there's two things. He was perfect in his ways, and he had beauty like none other. Those two things got the best of him. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profound out of the mounting of God. That's where God dwells, third heaven. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. Notice that. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. From the midst of the stones of fire. What does it mean that he's the covering? He's the covering cherub. He covered over the whole throne of God. He couldn't get no higher than Satan. Now God is, but I'm saying in the in the work of God, He is a, the covering cherub. He he just like the cherubims were down over the Ark of the Covenant, protecting and covering the Ark. He was over the whole situation in heaven. But his pride got him. His beauty got him. And he decided, if I can get this high, I'll just kick the Lord off the throne and sit down there. That's what happened. And that's how he got thrown out. So he said in verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy, what's this? Beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. That's his mind. By reason of thy brightness. Amen. Now he's the champion of darkness. 
I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. That's what we're doing this morning. We're beholding him. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. Ain't you got that? Don't that make you feel good? Lord, you're going to burn him. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Amen. Now, let me give you something. I'm going to come back to something else. Let's go to Romans. I'm following the Spirit. Boy, I'll tell you what. He's, he's giving me what I need and what I want. I can't, I can't remember all this stuff. Go to the 16th chapter. I pointed this out a couple of weeks ago at church. 16th chapter. This is Paul's farewell chapter of the book of Romans. Brother Tony, I've never seen this to about two weeks ago. Never seen this in my life. But he said in chapter 16 of the book of Romans, the first two words, he says, I commend. Paul's closing out the big old great book of Romans that's blessed us and strengthened us. But in chapter 16, he says, I commend unto thee, Phoebe. Verse 2, that you receive her. Verse 3, greet Priscilla. Verse 4, I give thanks down in the middle part of that. Likewise, greet in verse 5. Greet Mary in verse 6. Salute Andronicus. Get it right in a minute. Then in verse 8, greet Amphipolis. And see verse 9, salute, salute, salute in verse 11. You see them? And then verse 12, got salute, 13 salute, 14 salute, 15 salute, 16 salute. He's, he's bragging on the congregation. You know, he's fixing, he's finishing out the letter. And been a, but then all of a sudden, when you get to verse 17, Paul changes his mind on everything. And not his mind, but he throws in something that ends up being prophecy. Mm-hmm. He says in verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, I beg you, plead with you. He said, now I beseech you, brethren. That's what he's doing. Mark them which cause divisions. This is what a child of God is supposed to That's why we need to be in the book and know what's right. Paul had people like Hymenaeus and Philetus. He had Demas that walked out on him and left him. Uh, is it Alexander the coppersmith? Wasn't that him? Done him much harm. Done him much harm. Let me tell you, churches have got the same old devil we were talking about running around in them. Amen. And the saints of God are supposed to recognize this. That's you. And the pastors are too. Sometimes the preachers don't even see it. Sometimes the congregation wouldn't see it. And if you pointed out to the congregation, they wouldn't do nothing about it no matter. They think the preachers a little bit... Yeah. Messed up. Preacher, you're supposed to love everybody. You're right. I can't love the devil. No, sir. I've had that problem for 53 years. 
Brother Tony's sitting here. He knows more about it than what, what you do. But I say, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions. If there's anybody in the church causing divisions in anything, you mark them. Yeah. I don't mean you get a magic marker and go right all over them either. No. Yeah. Don't mean you cuss them out and all that stuff. No. It just means you just mark them. He's going to tell you what to do with them in just a minute. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And, amen. If you find somebody that's preaching something opposite than the preacher or will not obey or follow after what the man of God says, he says you mark them. Right. Then he comes down here and the last three words tells you what to do with them. And avoid them. You leave them alone. I've done that for years when I found out who they were. Ain't you, Brother Tony? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now look at verse 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're walking against what I've been preaching, then you're against me or you're against God. I don't know which one. You understand? If the preacher's preaching the Word of God, you're against God. But their own belly, they're following after. What's their own belly? Their own desires, their own interest. Amen. It calls your belly here because your belly is what tells you what to eat. It picks out what you put in your mouth. Ain't that right? When you go eat, you just go in the cabinet and pick up something and just go to chomping on it, or do you look around and move a can or move a box or here, or you decide I want to go to McDonald's or I want to go to Zaxby's? So which one's told you what to do? Your belly. That's why that's in there. Amen. God ain't putting them words in there and say, look, I'm pretty smart. I'd call it belly. No. He knows what you do. And by good words and fair speeches, Amen. Amen. They'll take, oh, they got them little words and then they twist them little words that sound so good. Deceive the hearts of the simple. Now let's go on. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Notice he said the simple in verse 18. The simple, in this case, is not the people that's stupid. Mm-mm. It's not people that... It's actually people who are, uh, I guess, uh, what would you call... They, they think well of everybody. Yeah. It's people on the earth that will think everybody's sweet, smell good, it does good. Nobody can do wrong. And it's just how people that they just think, yeah. I don't see a thing in the world wrong with them. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's the simple. They get there and they see that. But the Bible says in verse 19, Paul says, what I'd like for you to do is to turn that around. You not be simple and accept all that stuff, but you get smart and, and uh, turn against evil. Everybody in this building this morning is is told and commanded to leave evil alone. I'm told that. You're told that. The Bible tells us. 
The Bible said, uh, you know, it talks about avoiding even the very appearance of evil. It, if it looks good, it looks wrong, you leave it alone. Somebody said, I can't tell whether that's right or wrong. Well, I'll tell you what to do. Don't do it till you know where it's right or wrong. Yep. Somebody said, I just can't never tell which way I ought to go. Wait till you know which way to go before you go. Amen. If you don't know which way to go, amen. You sit there and wait and wait and wait till God shows you. And when God shows you which way to go, then go. If He don't never show you, stay put. That's yep. our fault. We take it in our own hands sometimes. We do. Over and over and over we do. But here's what I want to show you in verse number 20. He says, and the God of peace. Now, who's that? Who is the God of peace? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's called in the end the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus, right? Shall bruise Satan. Now, thank God, we've got that from Genesis 3.15. He's been bruising him all along. <laughs> Still doing it. Say, he's going to bruise Satan. The Prince of Peace is going to bruise Satan. Now, here's the thing that I had never seen in all my life. Under your feet, shortly. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the saints of God in Rome. Yes, sir. He said the Lord's going to bruise Satan under your feet. Huh? If you're not careful, you just look over that. Won't pay no attention to it. And shortly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then Paul goes back to 21. He's telling them over there, salute, 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 you know. And he's finishing up his little letter. But he throwed that in. He throwed some nuggets in there that it took me through right now to understand what they are. You said, where's that going to take place? It's going to take place in Revelation 19. Go over there. And while you're getting there, and while you're turning there, I'm going to... I've got to take a break in a minute. But I'm, I'm going to give you this, and then we'll take a break. And Boy, it don't seem like I just got started five minutes ago. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now... God promised Abraham. I want to go back to Abraham a minute. God promised Abraham three things. And I know we won't turn to, to Abraham, but you just know because we've been on Abraham so much. Number one, God promised Abraham a seed, a, a child. They got ahead of God, didn't think God was going to do it, and even doubted God and sinned ahead of God. And uh, Abraham went into the handmaid and brought forth a child. And that caused problems. Still does. Hamas and all that. The second thing that he promised, not only a seed, but he promised Abraham a land. He said, look this way, that way, and all the way around. This is you and your seeds forever. Nowhere from Genesis to right now where I'm at in the Bible till 2023 today, nowhere has that ever took place. That's right. And you and I couldn't get about like Abraham and say, hey, it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen. 
but it will. Amen. God will put them little Jews on the, actually their land goes back into Iraq in that area. Yep. The river Euphrates and all that. Israel don't have nothing of what they're going to have. That's right. And Israel's going to be dispersed again. Uh, you're going to be mixed up and things. Uh, we thought that Israel done move back in there, his homeland in 1948. That's why everybody is messed up about the rapture. And except this, you know, talk about this generation won't pass till, you know, this will be done. They've wrote books on the rapture and all that, and they've messed up on every one of them. And we none know when the Lord's coming. He does. No, he don't. The God of heaven knows. Jesus don't know. Not even been told him. Well, in in uh, history, when Israel was in their homeland, any time they were in their homeland, they were blessed. When they got booted out and taken from their homeland and scattered, they'd been cursed. Now, they've been brought back to their homeland, but man has had a big part in that. And I didn't see this for years. And so what happens, they're not being blessed now. They're still being hated and despised. Nobody likes the Jew for some reason. Could it be that because they gave him the world the Savior? Gave the world the right word? Could it be... A number of things like that. Yeah. And they're going to be fought until the Lord says that's enough. You're not going to fight no more. So the devil's been after the Jew in the Old Testament. And now the Jew is not being, he's being bothered by the devil. But God has him on the, on the sideline. Judgment's not ready for the Jew yet. Because God's not ready for the judgment on the Jew. So what God has done now is put His emphasis on the church. We got two living entities on the earth right now, and God's working with one more than He's working with the other, and that one of them is the church. Yeah. That's right. Ain't that right, Brother Tony? Right. The church is His bride made up of Jews and Gentiles. God's not against the Gentile. He'll save them. He wasn't against the, uh, he wasn't against the uh, Gentile in the Old Testament because He saved them. He wasn't against the Jew in the Old Testament because He wanted them to follow Him. He's not against the Jew today because a Jew, if it calls upon Christ, will get saved. Amen. He's working with both of them, but the one He's mainly and primarily working on is Jesus. is the, is the church. The bride of Jesus. Amen. But now God's not going to work with both of them in judgment at the same time. I want you to know this. God has never promised the church that it's going to go through a tribulation either. And I'm going to look at that. And if I could just get people to understand it, it'd make their life so much simpler. I learn all I learn about the rapture and all those things from the book of Genesis up to the, through the book of Jude more than I do out of the book of Revelation. 
If I get it all right from Genesis to Jude, when I read Revelation, I say, oh, that's how it falls to place. Most folks are trying to start prophecy from the book of Revelation. Yeah. Tell me I'm not right. No, you're right. I know. I talk about the Antichrist, all that stuff, and most of them don't even know nothing about what's going on right now. Because no. they hadn't been reading Genesis to Jude. You get all that. That This Bible is telling you the end from the beginning. Amen. It took me a long time to figure out you read, you read your Bible backwards instead of the other way. <laughs> you go to Genesis. Genesis will tell you what's going to happen at the end. Ain't that right? A lot, you go, huh? lot, go ahead. Of, lot of new converts. First book they won't go to. Revelation. Revelation. And then they get in there. It's too deep. You get all they jump on <laughs> they jump on uh uh Facebook see whatever preacher says about the second coming. They get in uh YouTube and they figure out what ever preacher's preaching on and I was listening to one yesterday. It said I, I was looking at these. I, I glance at those things, but I don't spend time on it because I can read their title sometimes. Sometimes their title is very deceiving. Yeah. And uh, you, if you're listening, you say, oh, that ain't what you're saying on the, on the title of this thing. Yeah. And it said Ezekiel 38 and 39, battle. I thought, well, yep, I know there's going to be a battle. I clicked on it to see what he said. And he said, Everybody's wondering about this battle. Said this is going to be the the battle of battles, and he says it happened a long time. And I thought I ain't seen yet where that they've had a battle that they had to bury the dead for seven months. So I said, "Okay, big boy, you you wasted too much. Yeah, two minutes of my time. I went somewhere else." But see, the average church member wouldn't believe that. He come home, come to church next day, and say, "Preacher, I didn't know that Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine took place, and uh, give you when it is." And, and then they throw that, and the, and then the preacher looks and said, "I didn't either, because <laughs> I ain't read that." <laughs> so that makes a preacher go home and study, and he finds out, "No, no, they got this wrong. That ain't right." You see, you know, you see what I'm saying? Ain't that right, Tony? That's right. So we'll look at all that. Well, let me go back. Uh, I think I'll just stop right there. We'll take a little break, and then we'll huh? Oh. Well, we'll got. I got to get something from my throat. It's getting dry. Okay. Uh, so we'll come back, and then we'll go back and get. Is this helped you any? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. This is what I call a off the cuff, and uh, I like it. Yeah, I like it. And God. Hang, hang, this is what I call the Lord hanging me out over the precipice. He hanging me out over the because I like to know what I got, and that's the reason I have all these notes. But I just got a few things there, and that's it. All right. Yeah, I'm looking at covering. Yeah.